It was every airplane passenger's worst nightmare. First there was an explosion, and then almost immediately the oxygen mask come down. I understand your emergency. Let me know when you want to go in. Yeah, we have a part of the aircraft missing, so we're going to need to slow down a bit. An explosion on the plane in midair. And then probably within a matter of 10 seconds, the, the engine then hit a window and busted it wide open. As Southwest Airlines Flight 1380 from New York City to Dallas makes an emergency landing at Philadelphia International. The window got broken from the broken engine. It flew and hit, the, opened up the window, and the poor woman was half out of the plane, and two guys grabbed her and brought her back. There are a lot of things that we still don't know. Federal investigators will be probing the accident for months or years before we get answers to many of the most important questions. They leave no stone unturned. Uh, I guess fine-tooth comb is a good way to put it as far as their inspections go. But there are some things that we do know. How they put out the fire, what they found, and then also that there was a piece. This is the first time we found out that there was a piece of that air blade that was missing. From KYW News Radio in Philadelphia, this is Scroll Down. I'm Tom Rickert. And today on the podcast, a terrifying ordeal in the skies over Philadelphia. Could you have the uh, medical meet us there on the runway as well? We've got uh, injured passengers. Injured passengers, okay. And are you? is your airplane physically on fire? No, it's not on fire, but part of it's missing. So this is the prequel to all this, was there was a plane that uh, had a problem and came down in, in the Dover Air Force Base, like like 15 minutes before this, Greg comes over and says, there's a plane down at Dover Air Force Base. Found out if it came from Philly. My name is Kim Glovis. I'm a reporter at KYW News Radio and lately an anchor. Turned out, it again, this was is from another airport, but it was on the ground, it was fine, and it wasn't from Philadelphia. So, okay, not in our coverage area. Let's move on. 15 minutes later, I'm working on another story. Working on another story... Greg comes over and says, right, i got another one for you. Another airplane. Yeah, this one's in Philly. The breaking story is Southwest flight from LaGuardia to Dallas makes an emergency landing at Philadelphia Airlines International Airport. With an engine on fire had to make that emergency landing at Philadelphia International probably in like the last half hour. There are reports of at least one injured person being taken to the hospital. Philadelphia fire crews are on the scene and foam has been sprayed on the plane. So then we go on and, you know, you have to find out, you know, where did it come from? What happened? How many people are injured? How badly are they injured? Because, you know, you could be injured and have a, you know, a hangnail, or you could be injured really badly. So, you know, you never know. I immediately started making calls. I called the airport. I called the fire department. Southwest put out an email to Southwest. And what we found out was that um, there was a, uh, a flight. Flight 1380 was on the ground in Philadelphia, but it had originated from LaGuardia, in New York and was heading to Dallas Love Field in Texas. Something happened and the plane was brought down. They said there was engine failure. So um, as, as the morning rolled on, we realized that, you know, we had video from the airport 
and we could see the people exiting the plane. And then as the, the camera shifted and you could see that there was something very wrong with that engine. The flight did land safely. That was flight 1380. It was moved to a remote area of the airport and passengers are now off the plane and are being bused to the terminal. Firefighters and other airport personnel are beginning their investigation into what happened with that engine, which was on the left-hand side of the plane. No further details have been made public at this time from the airport. How long were they in the air before they landed in Philadelphia? Not long. Uh, I think uh, what we found out later was 22 minutes from the time that it happened. They were over Berks County, Lancaster area, and uh, they made a, a diverted quickly to Philadelphia, the closest airport, and um, 22 minutes they came back. And the funny thing is, is the oxygen in those things is 15 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So Marty Martinez was on flight 1380. And when this thing came, started happening, he was really, obviously, it's terrifying. It's, it's you know, and he started doing Facebook Live. I had Wi-Fi and I knew I couldn't get any sort of text messages through. So I, I I jumped on Facebook Live and I thought I was I thought I was like cataloging the last moments of my existence, thinking that he would never see his girlfriend again, his family, my brother, my sisters, my mom, anybody. This is it. This is these are the last moments of my life. I want people to know that I'm thinking about them. And he started describing it. It all happened like so quickly. There was a boom, and then within five seconds, everywhere you see all the oxygen masks drop. Somebody at CBS News saw the Facebook Live feed and contacted him after the plane was down. He was still on the plane. And they did a phone interview with him. And he was talking about how terrifying it was. The, the words were absolutely terrifying. That was, that was terrifying. And he described how part of the engine... The engine exploded on the left side of the plane. ...flew off and hit that window. That explosion caused one of the windows Row 17 of the plane. 17 seat C, I think it was. Which is just two aisles over from it. You know, the woman was sitting there and the window shattered and she was sucked toward the window. And people around her grabbed her and pulled her back in. And then they tried to patch the hole. They tried to patch the hole with jackets and whatever else they had to because, you know, you're at 32,000 feet and the window opens. You know, this is bad, you know. And then they went from 32,000 feet to, to 10,000 feet in a matter of moments. It felt like it was free-falling, going down. And I literally thought we were going to be hitting the ground like in the next like 30 seconds. And um, that crew, those pilots, did a heck of a job averting a real disaster. As the day wore on, we got, uh, you know, our reporters moving and down to the airport. And then uh, Kristen Johansson and Paul Kurtz... Uh, got the rest of the story down there. Kim Globus, thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. I'm Kristen Johansson with KW News Radio. Back to our breaking story out of Philadelphia International Airport. A Southwest flight from LaGuardia to Dallas makes an emergency landing after an apparent engine explosion. KW's Kristen Johansson is at the airport and with us live. Uh, Kristen, what can you tell us? So, Ian, the, we know that there were 143 people on board along with five crew members. And You got to the airport. 
pretty quickly after this plane landed and we figured out what was going on. Our editor, Gregor Landini, had heard from our traffic department that there was some situation at the airport. Kim Glovis was making calls, but then Gregor Landini kind of jumped it and said, someone needs to go to the airport. So I finally got down there. I had no idea where to go. No information from any emergency officials whatsoever. We really had to rely on CBS3's chopper for where to go. You ended up at... Terminal E, yeah. Uh, Arrivals. You know, we were just asking people if they were coming off the plane, if they were supposed to go to Dallas, if they were coming off a Southwest 1380 flight. A lot of people didn't know what we were talking about. So we were talking to some of them, and then that's when we found out about the press conference at like 2 or 2.30. I'm Adam Teal, the fire commissioner for the city of Philadelphia. Fire commissioner Adam Teal was really the one that broke down the timeline of events and what they are investigating. At 11.10 today, our aircraft rescue and firefighting units here at the airport, engine 78, was dispatched to a reported engine fire in the 737. They responded within three minutes. They were on the tarmac. They met the plane. And reported a small engine fire with a fuel leak and a 737 with reported 148 souls on board. They pulled everybody from the plane. At 1134, engine 78 requested an additional medic unit. They rushed the woman, the victim, to the hospital. Um, at that point, they wouldn't say what her condition was. About a half an hour later, we found out that she had died. We also assessed 12 other patients and treated seven patients for minor injuries, although none of those were transported to the hospital. They confirmed that the pictures we were seeing on social media were, in fact, the pictures from that plane. The aircraft that you see... That it did look like that. ...on the news and on social media is the aircraft that was involved in this incident. They told us how they put out the fire, what they found. The... uh, The aircraft did experience some damage to the fuselage and parts of the wings. It was really a very uh, loose frame of what happened when we were down there. It is our understanding, and again, it's still very early. It is our understanding that the the passengers on board the aircraft, in addition to the flight crew and the cabin crew, did uh, some pretty amazing things under very difficult circumstances. You'll hear more about that, I'm sure. That's still very new information. Uh, And again, that's not really our purview. That's something I'm sure will come out in the NTSB's briefings and report. Can you tell me about Kathy? I was writing my script on my phone and cutting voice cuts from Fire Commissioner Adam Teal to go live and to um, make a story out of it. This woman sits down next to us. She was older-ish, and she said, Oh, are you guys here because because of the plane incident? And I was with an Enquirer reporter, and we said, yes, we're here. And she said, oh, did that woman die? So I just asked really quickly, were you by any chance on that plane? And she said, yeah, it was crazy. What's your first name? Kathy. Kathy. And Kathy, where are you from originally? I'm originally from New York, but now I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and I was on my way home to Albuquerque. Okay. She said that she was taking a siesta, her words. Well, we were on the plane a few minutes, and I was just taking a siesta, and all of a sudden a big noise came, and then the next thing, a big bang, and then all the air things dropped down. We really didn't know what was going on, and the lady in the back, we heard... What happened was a window got broken from the 
broken engine. It flew and hit, the, opened up the window, and the poor woman was half out of the plane, and two guys grabbed her and brought her back. She said it wasn't, other than that initial drop and the chaos towards the middle or back of the plane, she didn't feel like she was free-falling, as other people had described. Did it feel like the plane was, like, falling, or did it feel like... It was just like a fast falling. It wasn't a big one. You know, like, up here, and then it dropped, and then it stopped. It leveled off. She said she wasn't all that scared, but she was with um, somebody who really was, who I think she was more concentrating on trying to settle that person down. I'm a senior citizen. I've been through a lot in my life, so I didn't get really that scared. The girl next to me was terrified, so she and I kind of held hands, and I kept telling her it was going to be all right. I really felt it was going to be all right, and then I said a prayer. She said they landed, and it took them a little while to get off the plane. And then we had to sit there forever and ever, and then they finally put us on a little bus, and we sat there forever and ever. Finally, we went into the terminal. We sat there forever and ever, and Homeland Security and the FBI interviewed everybody to see what they had seen. Adam Teal had mentioned that that's pretty normal for an investigation of this size to have, even though the FBI and Homeland Security are interviewing these people, it's more because they have the experience to conduct the interview than it is, it really is nothing nothing to do with like criminal behavior, which I think we all jump to that conclusion that that's what that has to do with, but... Um, they just want to also rule that out. Were you able to contact your family? I sent texts and a telephone call, and I haven't heard from anybody. <laughs> and I'm not that good with phones, so maybe who knows what I did. Who came onto the plane? Firefighters? Uh, well, they said they were paramedics and firefighters. Yeah, it looked like paramedics. Right the they went right back. They already had been alerted about everything that was going on. Were so. you here on the side where the engine? Yes. Now, what side was that? The- that well... If you're on the plane, the left side. Left engine? Yes. Okay. And it would look like it was all bent. I have a picture. Oh, can you send that to us all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, no, gonna you're going to send it to yourselves because <laughs> I have no idea. She said that she's not getting her luggage back for basically until the investigation's over. So that could take months. You know, it's part of the evidence now for what happened. She was a character. Chris and Johansson, thanks so much for coming back to the podcast. Anytime. Paul Kurtz reported from the airport that afternoon. Thanks for coming back on the podcast, Paul. Yeah, my pleasure, Tom. Where were you camped out? Well, obviously, we're going to go to the Southwest Terminal. That's where Kristen went. I was looking for somewhere to go, and then uh, Greg called, and and he was hearing that um, Terminal AE is where the uh, people, the passengers actually were. So I went down, scouted that out, didn't see anything. And then crossed over to AE West, still didn't see anything, and so um, put a call into Southwest Airlines. And when I came back to uh, AE, uh, I saw a reporter for Channel 6, Walter Perez, and his camera person. And so at that point, I thought, okay, we're, we're in the right church. Maybe the wrong pew, but we're, we're in there. Walter and I uh, walked around for a little bit, and we finally found an American Airlines, uh, it was the American Terminal, uh, a rep there. Some other reporters came in, TV and uh, print, 15, 20 minutes passed, and the American Airlines rep took us on a winding path actually to the International Terminal, where she was told the passengers were being held. So we, we all kind of camped out there for a few minutes. Nothing's happening. 
finally, a customs media rep comes out and tells us, there's nobody here. You know, this thing's still breaking. We've we got to come up with something. Well, turns out um, Walter got a tip and a contact number. And I, I, I really have to thank him. I, I, I did, but I can't thank him. We all couldn't thank him enough. He was gracious enough to get this guy a passenger on the plane on on FaceTime. And he we all gathered around Walter's phone. He put it up on a ledge, and we all put our mics and phones up by his phone, and we had an impromptu conference call with this with with this passenger, very eloquent passenger, very shaken. You could see he was visibly shaken on on, on this on the screen. But he told a remarkable story, just a remarkable story of what happened to him. Everybody set? What was his name? Matt Tranchin. T-R-A-N-C-H-I-N from Dallas, Texas. What did he tell you? What I imagine he was in a, a very difficult headspace having come off that plane. He was still trying to process. I mean, you spend 20, 30 minutes thinking you're not going to make it. At this point, it's just connecting with family, friends, loved ones, perishing um, moments. It's, uh, been pretty wild people are very shaken up the fact that he could could articulate what he was going through was was absolutely remarkable and this was this would minutes be, hours yeah no minutes this would be it's maybe a half hour hour tops but he was in the holding area with the other passengers and he told us remembered hearing a, a he described it as a loud bang or explosion and the explosion shattered the window seat in the aisle row so immediately there was a wind was pouring through the plane uh there was smell of smoke uh confusion chaos flight attendants came over at which point uh, they saw a passenger who was critically injured female passenger badly hurt he said critically hurt he knew she was in really bad shape and the uh flight attendants coming up trying to help and People trying to plug the hole because once that that hole was is there, you, you've had rapid decompression. The plane is losing altitude in a hurry, and he thought it was it. He thought he was a goner to the point where he spent those white knuckle minutes writing notes, goodbyes to his wife, his pregnant wife. She's in her third trimester. His parents. And his unborn baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, my wife is in her third trimester, our first child. So I spent a lot of my time trying to articulate what I wanted my final words to be to my unborn child. Um, to my wife, to my parents, uh, you know, out-of-body experience, don't think it's going to happen to you, and then it does, um, but we landed, um, we're safe, you know, I'm, the status of the passenger, um, who is at the very least in critical condition, uh, I don't know how, how she's doing, um, the rest of us are, are going to be able to join with our loved ones very soon. And, um, and he, he came out of it 
Great work by the pilot. And we said, are you going to go back? How are you going to get the courage to get back on a plane? And he says, well, my dad said... Well, my father said statistically nothing ever bad can happen to me. Odds are astronomical that's going to happen again. But he had an idea at the moment, probably just thinking out loud, to start a crowdfunding campaign to get uh, drivers to take all the passengers back to where they had to go. He wasn't being funny, but it was, I thought it was kind of funny at the time. Paul, thanks so much for coming back on the pod. My pleasure. Yep, it was uh, Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning, uh, got sent out to, to Philly International just to follow up on any of the developments of the uh, of the uh, explosion, the midair explosion, and the investigation. And my focus the, for the morning was to focus on the victim, the one person who died, the one person who was killed because of all this. Uh, Tim Jimenez, a reporter, early morning reporter with KYW News Radio. KYW News Time 734. New details coming to light this morning about the airline passenger who was nearly sucked out of a jetliner at 32,000 feet yesterday when an engine broke up in flight and shattered the window next to her seat. She did not survive her injuries, and we begin our coverage with KYW's Tim Jimenez, live at Philly International. Unfortunately, after Flight 1380 landed in Philly, not everyone got to walk out of the plane and see their families. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, yes. One person, Jennifer Reardon, she was supposed to be heading home. Southwest Airlines Flight 1380 from New York to Dallas, that was on her agenda, but home never happened. Authorities say Reardon was nearly sucked out of the plane when a window was smashed open during the midair explosion. And when that happened, uh, there were some, some other passengers who tried to keep her inside, and, and they did. But she was so badly hurt. So once the plane had the emergency landing, she was taken to a hospital in Philadelphia. And later on in the day, the medical examiner say, says that uh, she died. So Reardon died in Philadelphia, and the medical examiner is saying it was due to blunt force trauma to the head, neck, and torso. And... Uh, Reardon was actually the only passenger who died from this uh, horrifying experience and actually the first fatality on a U.S. commercial airline in nine years. So that's the significance of this, of course, that uh, as horrifying as this is, it's rare for something like this to happen in the skies. Tell me about Jennifer Reardon. Well, Reardon, she was a vice president of community relations with Wells Fargo in Albuquerque. So she was in charge of putting together volunteer and charitable efforts for, for, the, uh, for the company there. Uh, her Facebook page, though, gives a better idea of who she was. There are plenty of pictures of Reardon, her husband, and her two kids. Everyone all smiles in those pictures. Her family released a statement in the hours after she died. And in it, those close to her describe her as, quote, the bedrock of our family. Her family said, quote, in her memory, please remember to always be kind, loving, caring, and sharing. And one of her colleagues spoke to an Albuquerque TV station and said... She wanted the best, you know, for for this town, this state. And if you were saying, Jennifer, I'm struggling with this, she says, well, how can I help you? She was there for you. She was there for everybody. And her family wants that spirit to continue. The Reardons have set up the Jennifer Reardon Memorial Trust. And if you're interested in, in donating there, you can find that at CaringCent, that's C-E-N-T, dot com slash Sparkle Jennifer. Thanks, Tim. You got it.
Mike Darty is a reporter at KYW News Radio, friend of the podcast, back in the studio with me. Mike, everybody who's been reading about this, listening to the coverage on the radio, watching on television, the question is pretty much the same. How did this happen and why did it happen? How close are we to finding an answer? Right now, we have part of the how nailed down. NTSB has part of the how nailed down. KYW's Mike Darty reports the National Transportation Safety Board is in town. They're looking for answers. Once they were on final approach, they clarified to the tower that there was no engine fire, but they were operating single engine. NTSB Chairman Robert Sumwalt says each engine has a fan motor, and in their initial inspection, they found one of the fan blades had snapped off at the hub. So this fan blade was broken right at the hub, and our preliminary examination of this was that there's evidence of metal fatigue where the blade separated. We located that immediately and sent photos to our materials lab in Washington. And so that's what the preliminary exam has found. There's much more to be done on this. The why, however, is something we don't know yet, and it's unlikely there will be any sort of definitive answer as to why for at least another year. They you know, go through every single detail, every inch, they leave no stone unturned. Uh, I guess fine tooth comb is a good way to put it as far as their inspections go. What does this investigation look like right now? Well, so they've sent the motor off to their inspections facility in D.C. They sent the in-flight data recorders off all for analyzation. They're going to check to see if there was any signs of wear and tear that caused that blade to snap off and dislodge. There's a lot of questions they try to answer. They're on the ground right now here in Philly. They've they've been looking at this. well there it's this isn't just a Philly thing they're, they're on the ground here they have facilities in DC they have a pretty big team a large group of people are taking a look at this it's just not a couple of people they're, they're they have a full team that's going to take a, a year to produce a report some of the ripples of this accident are already making their way to the FAA yeah so during the press conference um NTSB Chairman Robert Sumwalt said this was just an incredibly rare occurrence. Um, these Boeing 737s have logged millions of hours of airtime, and incidents like this have been few and far between. But there have been some issues, and the, FDA, the FAA is now asking for additional inspections prior to takeoff. And technicians from Boeing, as well as General Electric, which helps produce the engines, are being sent out to ensure the safety of all planes that have a similar setup to this one. A lot of the national attention in the days after the accident, uh, has been on the pilots. What do we know about them? Well, so the captain, uh, Tammy Joe Schultz, praised by NTSB Chairman Robert Sumwalt. Again, he was a pilot for 10 years on one of these things and knows exactly how it's supposed to work. And he said Schultz showed incredible poise under pressure, and uh, possibly that can be attributed to the fact that she was a Navy fighter pilot, one of the first females to earn that title. So I don't know if we can say this in a podcast, but she's kind of a badass. (laughs) <laughs> we could absolutely say that in a podcast. Yeah. She's a she's a mother, she's a pilot, and she, you know, clearly demonstrated the ability to you know, if you if you listen to the air traffic control audio, she's having just a regular conversation with the the tower about, hey, we're down to one engine. Yeah, we have a part of the aircraft missing, so we're gonna need to slow down a bit. I have a person hanging out of the window. And there's no, there's no panic in her voice whatsoever. She is as cool as it gets. Could you have the uh, medical meet us there on the runway as well? We've got 
uh, injured passengers. Injured passengers, okay. And are you, is your airplane physically on fire? No, it's not on fire, but part of it's missing. Just kind of giving the facts to the to the controller about what's going on with the plane, what we need when we land. Um, she she performed as well as anybody could hope in that situation. Mike Doherty, thanks so much for coming back to the podcast. Always, Tom. Happy to be here. On Sunday, April 22nd, a memorial service was held for Jennifer Reardon at her alma mater, the University of New Mexico. She leaves behind her husband and her two children. We'll be following this story for however long the investigation takes. If you want to keep up with it, follow us on Twitter at ScrollDownPod. We'll tweet out anything new from the reporters who came on the show today. I'll put all their info in the show notes as well. Scroll Down is recorded and produced in the KYW News Radio studios in Philadelphia. I'm Tom Rickert. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again next time. <laughs>